It's not just about memorizing facts. It's about learning about the world in a deeper and more holistic way. And one way to do that is to spark kids' curiosity and get them thinking for themselves. I think oftentimes kids are smarter <laughs> than us grown-ups. They would probably rule the world in maybe a more constructive way, and then we would all get ice cream for dinner. Hey there, it's Aaron Schlein. Welcome back to Family Travel Radio. Our guest today is here to show us that family travel isn't canceled. Even when you're not able to travel the world, you and your kids can explore the globe through virtual travel. Catherine Ryan Gregory is a full-time writer who shares family-friendly destinations and travel hacks at toandfrofam.com. And most recently, Catherine turned her frustration during quarantine into a book called Virtual Travel Activities for Kids, Explore the World from Home with 52 Fun No-Prep Lessons. And in the book, Catherine shares creative ideas to learn about places and cultures across the globe all without leaving home. Catherine Ryan Gregory, welcome to Family Travel Radio. Thank you, Aaron. I'm so glad to be here. Well, it's great to have you. I want to ask you one question, total aside before we move on. This is, really serves no other purpose than to satisfy my own curiosity. But of all the people that I've interviewed on this podcast, you have the most badass haircut. <laughs> and I want to know, so I'm going to have to describe this. It's blonde hair on top, both sides, completely shaved all the way up more or less to like where, where the part would be. Tell me the history of that haircut. I saw someone with a similar haircut in Brooklyn, probably maybe eight years ago or so. And it always sort of stuck out in my mind. And I thought, I really love her haircut. And it stuck in my mind so much to the point where it was, you know, three or four years later, and I was still thinking about it. And I thought, you know what, (laughs) if I still want it, after three or four years of thinking about it, I'm gonna do it. I'm a bit of a, like a slow burn. But then like, once I decide something, I really get after it. So (laughs) I think after that decision was made, I made an appointment with my hairdresser. And yeah, I still have to, you know, reshave it every week to keep it trimmed. But I really love it. And I'm not going back. As a nice bonus for that hairstyle, it's probably fairly easy to maintain during this time when no one seems to be either able to get haircuts or wanting to get haircuts. I haven't had a scissor touch my head since January, and I'm just going with it. So yeah, you got you got to rock whatever you got. I rock what I got. At least I got something to rock. All right. <laughs> So let's move on, Catherine. You and I talked a little bit before the interview about what the last six months has looked like for you and what you thought June of 2020 might look like before the pandemic hit. And just talk a little bit about what you do as a travel writer. And then we're going to get into what you did during the pandemic, which is write an amazing book for families. Yeah. So I founded toandfrofam.com a couple of years ago because I wanted other families to understand that traveling with your kids isn't as hard as you might think it might be. And I wanted to have other people learn from some of the mistakes and also some of the wins that I had had. So I started writing I am a full-time writer and I've got two kiddos at home. I've got Maxine, who is almost five and 80, who is almost seven. Whom, if when you pick up Catherine's book, you'll see that book is dedicated to them. It's right there on the front page in the dedication, which I think is is beautiful. Catherine, you've only been at this family travel writing thing for, for a short time, less than a couple of years. What, uh, what did you do in a previous life that led you down this path? 
Well, I've been traveling since I was a kid also. In the seventh grade, I had my first international trip. I went and lived with my dad and sister in Singapore for a while and got to travel all over Southeast Asia. And ever since then, I couldn't stop traveling. I ended up um, doing several study abroad programs in high school and then later in college and then even in grad school. And um in my career, I've been a writer since, boy, I guess maybe more years than um, I want to share, <laughs> but for more than a decade. And um, one of the things that I love most about writing, and I think that um, I have a specialty in, is breaking down complex or confusing or overwhelming issues into really actionable um, steps that you can do and that you can really feel empowered to tackle, um, no matter if that is something like quitting smoking or understanding depression and mental health in the postpartum period, or if that is packing a carry-on with kids or figuring out where to go for a weekend vacation nearby. I've never quit smoking, but I never started smoking just for the record, but like I imagine like putting those two, putting it that sort of context uh, of an overwhelming task that almost seems impossible to to take on when you compare that to to traveling with kids, especially if you've never done it before. That's an I'm not sure if you really thought out that analogy or if it was just something you came up off the top of your head. It does paint a picture. It's hard. It's overwhelming. It's something I couldn't possibly do this, especially if you don't have the foundation built. But it sounds like you did have that foundation. Couple that with your superpower of being able to synthesize complex ideas into actionable advice. Sounds like you landed in in just the right place. You have spent this time, this say around more or less three months worth of time that we've all been in quarantine. And three months seems like an eternity in certain worlds, but in the book world, you know, the time spent writing a book, three months is like a blink of an eye. You managed to come up with a concept, write the book, and actually get it into the world all just in this short few month period. Tell me about that process. How did you do that? Like I said, when I decide something, I don't really sit back <laughs> on my heels. So I I was actually working out one day thinking about my business and how I wanted to grow my family travel business and feeling just so frustrated because all of my plans seemed to pretty much be out the window. And I was thinking about my own frustration of having to cancel all sorts of trips. I think there were there were three big international trips that we had planned for the spring that just couldn't be. And when someone tells me like, no, you can't do something or if, or if an obstacle pops up and says you can't go this way, then I try to tunnel under it or go on top or go around or, you know, figure out some workaround. And so that's what I ended up realizing that I could do with this. Like, no, I can't hop on a plane. No, I can't pack my bags. Like, no, I can't get my passport stamped, but I can still explore the world with my kids. And it comes down to that excitement of discovering something new with your children. That's one of the most exciting parts about family travel to me. So that's how I came up with the concept of doing virtual travel with your kids. And it was also because especially at the beginning of quarantine, I think most parents of younger children were just at their wit's end. You know, they're being asked to do distance learning and virtual education. And when they're not doing that, then they don't really know what 
what to do with their kids, um, especially for parents who are working. So I wanted to create a resource for parents that would be easy to just plug in and do. They wouldn't have to do a bunch of research or prep or figure out what was going to be on the docket for the next afternoon after school was finished. So that's where I came up with the, the concept. And then I spent the next, I think it was 20, 25 days, uh, just over just over three weeks, um, I woke up every morning at five and wrote for a couple hours before the kids and family got up to really establish that habit until it was done. Well, let's open the virtual pages of your book called Virtual Travel Activities for Kids. Explore the world from home with 52 fun, no prep lessons. What can we expect when we, we open up these virtual travel activities for kids? What's in store for us? What's in store, there are 52 different themes that will help you and your kids explore different countries. One thing that you won't find, maybe I should clarify this because um, a lot of people are surprised when they start reading the book. What you won't find is a country by country list of activities. So the book does not include country specific activities and lessons. Instead, each theme is flexible so you can apply just about any country to it. If there's a theme called Backwards Day, which was one of the themes, then it's not about one specific country. So it's not, you know, this this week we're going to Australia. Instead, you can pick just about any country that you and your kids have an interest in or just open up a world atlas and randomly choose a page or spin a globe and, and let your finger fall on some country. It can be applied to any place that you want to go explore that day. I did this for a couple of reasons. For one reason, the world is always changing. So one thing that might be relevant today might not be so important in another five years. And so I wanted to keep this book evergreen so we can keep coming back to it and parents can continue to use it even as their kids grow older. And one of the ways to do that as well is by having each of these themes be customizable. So if I'm doing backwards day today in Australia, and then I want to come back in a couple of months and do backwards day theme again, then I can do that with China. And then in another couple of months, I can do it with Peru. So you can always keep coming back and applying those themes to explore more in new countries. So I've read a good portion of your book. I have not read the backwards day module yet. Since you've mentioned <laughs> it several times now, I got to know what is, what is the backwards day theme and talk to us about how it can be applied perhaps in different situations. I really wanted to make these activities fun and I wanted to make them different than what kids would normally do in school. So backwards day is taking a lens and looking at the country in a different way than you might typically do. So one activity, for example, is an art project and you um, watch videos about the country that you're learning about that week and you get inspired by whatever it is that you see. So if it's a beautiful landscape, if it's some ruins, if it is, um, you know, a city skyline, and then you tape paper to the underside of your table and you paint upside down. So you get under the table and reach up and paint, hopefully with not too many drips. That's one example. So another one is to learn a folktale from that country and then tell it in reverse. So begin with the ending and then work your way backwards. And so they're kind of goofy and they're kind of fun, but that's because kids are want to be goofy and fun. So each of these themes and each of the activities is really aimed to make the kids have a good time as they're learning about the world. 
Well, I like the the open-endedness of it as opposed to memorizing facts and dates and names and even countries. And one thing I like about your book that's kind of goes with that open-ended theme is that it's full of these guiding questions that you provide in each one of the modules. And I think that guiding open-ended questions are really important in getting engagement on any type of adventure, virtual or IRL in real life. But tell me, what's your approach to formulating those good guiding questions for kids when it comes to getting the most out of their experiences? Such a good question, Aaron, to talk about the guiding questions. I guess just to back up a little bit, when I was researching some of the things that children will need to be successful when they grow up, I I came across a list of the 21st century skills that kids need to succeed. And among those was critical thinking. And I think if you just look around, you know, in your social media feed or, um, you know, on the news or talking with your friends, it has never been more important to have the critical thinking skill to evaluate if something that you've heard before is right or doesn't fit with the evidence that you see now. And to really think more deeply and harder about things that you might otherwise take at face value. And that's really one of the biggest benefits of travel, I think, is to kind of shake shake up your previously held beliefs and make you consider that your way of doing things or your way of thinking is not the only way. So in each of the themes, I, I wrote a list of guiding questions and critical thinking questions that help kids look at the world in a slightly different way. They're made to encourage children to take a different perspective, to walk in someone else's shoes, to ask if something is real, to ask if something is supported by evidence. And I came up with those a lot because I, some of them I just ask myself and I ask my own kids when we're off on adventures. And with some of them, I really wanted to treat kids with the respect that I would offer to, to adults because kids, I think oftentimes... Um, are smarter than us grown-ups. I think that they would probably um, rule the world in maybe a more constructive way and then we would all get ice cream for dinner. <laughs> so the, the questions are really to open up a conversation because um, like you said, it's not just about memorizing facts and being able to fill in a map with each country's name, but it's about learning about the world in a deeper and um, more holistic way. And one way to do that is to spark kids' curiosity and get them thinking for themselves. Kids smarter, perhaps more resilient. I think definitely kids get a bad rap for not being able to handle much. And I think that might be at just at the crux of why family travel, why there's this, this perceived impossibility to it because we don't give our kids enough credit. And I say the collective we, not you and me, Catherine, necessarily, but the collective we, we just have these preconceived notions about what our kids are capable of, about what they can handle, what they can bounce back from. And I think in a lot of ways, I hope I'm not getting too woo-woo on this, but it's our own limiting beliefs that we're projecting onto our children that hold us back. And then it's like this vicious cycle that repeats because then the kids grow up not really having experienced the world because of the fears of their parents. They pass that on to their kids and the cycle repeats, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think it's too woo at all. I mean, you can just look at your kids as an example of evidence that expectations color your experience. So like if you, if you go up to your kids with those like tickle hands and you get all goofy and you say, I'm going to tickle you, they will start cracking up before you lay a finger on them because they are expecting the experience of being tickled and, and goofing around with you. It's similar in that 
what we expect to come out of family travel is oftentimes what we will get. So if I'm going on a road trip and I'm all I can think about is, you know, oh, my kids are just going to fight the whole way and they're just going to say, are we there yet? And, you know, it's going to be uncomfortable and cramped and we're all going to hate it. Then, yeah, that's the experience that you will have. So I think we do have to take a closer look at what our beliefs are about family travel and open up to the possibility that it might not be so bad. Also, I think that we need to remember that even if there are downs in your trip, which there will be, that's okay because you're not striving for perfection. We tell our kids all the time that it's not about being perfect. You know, we tell our kids that they need to have a growth mindset. Um, And we as parents need to do the same. We need to say like, yeah, okay, well, the car broke down on our road trip. And that's not what I wanted to have happen. But at the same time, I can I can make something good out of this. We can play a game. We can get to know the tow truck driver. You know, we can use this as an opportunity to have more conversations. Family travel does not have to be perfect to be worthwhile. Indeed. And sometimes those breaking down on the side of the road stories and those the stories like it are end up being the best stories and some of the most interesting memories, the ones that stick with you for life and everything just goes exactly the way you choreographed it. It's not that there's anything wrong with that, but those doesn't always create the memories that stick out year over year when you're reliving your family adventures. So I want to go over, I know I kind of put you on the spot earlier talking about the, the backwards day as one of the examples. Give me an example of, of one or two of your favorites and, and get into some detail. Take us there inside one of your favorite virtual adventures. I would love to. One of my favorite ones is called Extreme because I think kids and adults both like the biggest or the baddest or the most dangerous or the smallest or the creepiest or whatever it is. It's like that superlative that really gets us thinking about, oh my gosh, that's extreme. So I had a lot of fun with that theme, partly because I could just imagine all the little kids getting really excited about the highest mountain or the weirdest looking animal or um, the most dangerous place. The most badass haircut. (laughs) You know, I should put that in the follow-up book. (laughs) So I really liked that one. Um, Another one that I loved was the at night theme. Um, partly because bedtime is really um, is really precious in our in our household. I don't have terrific sleepers, and so I really live for and rely on the kids going to bed at a certain time. But at night, we kind of throw that out the window, at least for a day or at least for a night, and it gets the kids again to look at the world in a totally different way. And so they explore another country by looking at you know, what constellations are overhead in this country at a given time? And how is that different than ours? Um, What animals are nocturnal? What would be fun to do in this country at nighttime? And we're not talking nightlife because this is, you know, uh, for children. But, you know, could they go on a canoe ride under the moon? Could they go on a nighttime tour? Could they see turtles hatching by moonlight? There are so many things that we can do that are unexpected. And, that's what I wanted each of these themes to be is, is to sort of jolt us out of, you know, our everyday staring at screens or doing distance learning or waking up and having sort of the same routine and to get us to see life in a little bit different way. So I love the the picture you painted talking about having these 
adventures in your minds, if you will, at bedtime. So it got me thinking about the role that your kids may have played in in formulating this book and creating the activities within this book. You talk about how your six and four year old, mm-hmm. the role they played in in creating this book. Yeah, my older daughter Edie, she loves writing. She is always writing some new book or coming up with some new story in her head. She and my younger daughter, Maxine, inspire me in that I always want to live my life in a way that they will look up to. And this book, in in some ways, was a direct response to that. Because looking back, I don't want them to wonder, you know, like, was mom really living the way that she wanted to? Like, I, I don't ever want to to have them realize that I have regrets about not doing something because I was scared or because, um, because it might fail. So in that way, they helped me sort of like in a, in a meta idea. Um, I also used them to um, try out some of our, some of the activities that made it into the book. For example, the other day, um, they, I've already mentioned Australia, but the kids have been obsessed with Australia lately. So we've been virtually traveling to Australia quite a bit. And we watched a video online about, ancient cave art in Australia. And so after learning about it and sort of explaining the context by which these pieces of art were created, we cut up some paper bags and we used crayons and we created our own rock art on these paper bags and we put them up on the wall. And, you know, then we pretended to be archaeologists and we discovered each other's um, cave paintings. And it was such a fun way to learn about another place and then sort of make it our own. Because now my kids know the word archaeologist. They know that there are cave paintings and rock paintings and wall art in the national parks within Australia. And now they can't wait to go there. We ended up looking up plane tickets to see You know, how long of a plane ride would it be to go to Australia? How would we get to the outback? How would we do this or how will we do this in the future? Well, I certainly love that, Catherine, and we're very grateful for you for, for taking the time because this is something that, that's really special. I'm sure a lot of folks maybe have had an idea like this, or maybe they've thought about what they can do during this downtime that we all have to change something in their life, to learn a new skill, to to help something to serve their, their fellow mankind. And, and you've done a beautiful, beautiful job of that. Once again, I want to let folks know that the book is called Virtual Travel Activities for Kids. Explore the world from home with 52 fun, no prep lessons. And you can get that book on Amazon or Catherine, as if you didn't already know this, folks can download a free chapter of the book at your website to and frofam.com slash chapter. And I'm going to have a link to that in the show notes at familytravel.org slash radio. Catherine Ryan Gregory, very grateful for you taking the time, very grateful for this book. And we are very excited to see where you go from here. And thanks for taking some time today. Absolutely, Aaron. It's been my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. You know that there's more to life than your work, but do your kids know? Last year, 55% of American parents didn't use all their vacation days. Taking time off to travel lets you show your kids different sides of the world and different sides of yourself, like the side that does things like this. Family travel is easier and more affordable than you might think. You brought them into this world, now show it to them. Discover the possibilities at familytravel.org. 
Hey, it's Aaron Schlein. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Family Travel Radio. All the notes for this episode and for every episode of the podcast are available at familytravel.org slash radio. All right, my friend, until we meet again, this is Aaron Schlein for Family Travel Radio, and I am signing off.